1: Four,
0: three, two, one. Cue music. This is Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Time to talk about a music documentary put together by Ron Howard on Movies First. Alex First, greetings to you. We're going back to the days of the Beatles.
1: We are. Are you a Beatles fan
0: or not? I am a Beatles fan. I think I have all their original release albums, not necessarily a first edition thereof, but I have all the original release albums. I don't have all the compilations that have come out subsequent
1: to their split, but,
0: you know, I I do enjoy the Beatles and I think that their like will never be seen
1: again. Correct. Well, you don't realise until you see this documentary, the adulation Nothing that I've seen since compares, and I'm not. Talk- I don't care whether they're the biggest acts in the world. The, the but I've seen it when you
0: come out of a theatre. There are thousands of people waiting for you.
1: Yes, yes. The the beauty of the Beatles is they themselves, these teenagers, had no idea about why this madness was going on. They looked as perplexed as you possibly could look when you were sort of 18, 19 years of age. And I love that about this film. The, the reality is it's a documentary by Ron Howard who has made... Lots of narrative type films, A Beautiful Mind, Apollo 13, come to mind immediately. And documentary is probably not his first selection when making a film. And yet, this is really strong. One of the prospects that drew him to this famous story was the opportunity to give a new generation a glimpse at what happened to launch what is an extraordinary phenomenon. Because the baby boomers grew up with the Beatles. I mean, you were... Were you around just when when they started becoming big?
0: I, w- I was certainly still alive uh, or certainly alive when the Beatles were uh, were still together as a group.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, but you were only a, a young baby knee high to a grasshopper. Well, the children of baby boomers perhaps only know them vicariously through us through their parents. And as the decades have passed They've remained immensely popular, even though many of the details of their story have become blurred. And I I presume we can say that most Beatles fans know the macro facts about the group. But the truth is only a small fraction would be familiar with the ins and outs of their narrative. And, of course, each new generation learns about the Beatles first and foremost from their music. So this film is a chance to reintroduce a seminal moment in the history of culture. And to use the distance of time to give us the chance to think about the how and why this happened as it did. While the movie has a lot of fascinating new material and research, first and foremost, it's a picture for those who were not there, especially the millennials. So, North American debut, Ed Sullivan Show, nineteen sixty-four. How old were you in sixty-four?
0: Uh, I refuse to answer on the grounds that I may make
1: you feel old. Thank you, sir. The Beatles transfixed the United States and the tremors were felt worldwide and they transformed music and pop culture forever with their records and television appearances. Their extraordinary musicianship, the charisma, also made them one of the greatest live bands of all time. So in the Beatles' eight days a week, the touring years, Ron Howard explores the history of the group through the lens of their concert performances. <coughs> he moves from the early days playing small clubs in Liverpool and Hamburg to their unprecedented world tours in packed stadia around the world. Hey, we talked about words the other day, and Chris's with double S and Bridget Jones's Diary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Are you accepting of the fact that the multiple of stadium is stadia?
0: Yes. And if you're talking about the Beatles' final concerts, then it is just an S apostrophe, because otherwise you'd have to say the Beatles's, and that would be stupid.
1: <laughs> and Chris' isn't stupid. <laughs> Bridget Jones's isn't, isn't stupid. Anyway... You
0: don't say Bridget Jones' baby, you say Bridget Jones's baby. That's why you put the extra S on. Bridget, why can't you say Bridget Jones' baby?
1: Because that's wrong. <laughs> so... Unprecedented world tours in packed stadia around the globe, from New York to Melbourne to Tokyo. This first feature length documentary authorised by the Beatles since the band's breakup in 1970. Get that again. This is really the first one that gets the green light, the big tick. Eight days a week features rare archival footage of concerts and interviews. You even get a young Sigourney Weaver in the crowd can you believe they found that and then they interview Sigourney Weaver being a Beatles fan that's fantastic oh it was re- it's really a beautiful moment and can I God. say
0: it's a ni- it's nicer to hear about Sigourney Weaver being spotted in footage and interviewed than what we hear about whenever the whenever the story of the Beatles in Australia comes up and that is Molly Meldrum being there but being thrown out and not getting to see the show
1: well, I suppose both are relevant in various ways. If you're an Aussie, the Molly Meldrum story is a nice one. But, yeah, it's, I, I, that really floored me. I thought, fantastic. She's just like the rest of us. Nice. And Whoopi Goldberg talking about the fact that Beatles broke down the barriers of black and white. They didn't want their concerts to exclude blacks, which was, unfortunately, the way things were done back then.
0: Well, in the US and- in the 60s, that was unheard of.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that in itself, that was a pivotal moment in this documentary. There are new interviews as well, not just rare archival footage of concerts and interviews, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, and a number of the prominent observers that I've already mentioned. So the film captures the exhilaration of the Beatles' phenomenal rise to fame, as well as the toll it eventually took on the band members, prompting them to stop touring altogether. Now, bear in mind that I said to you, It started in, what, 64, I'm talking about the North American debut. Mm. By August 66, they'd stopped touring.
0: And that that is hence the the release of the movie, because it's the 50th anniversary of that final concert at Candlestick Park
1: in San Francisco. Well, in fact, their final sort of live performance was was really on the rooftop of their record label. Yeah, that doesn't count. That That wasn't a commercial concert. That was just a thing. It was a thing that they did, but it was an important thing that they did. And I'll get oh, back Oh, they got
0: to a lot of footage out of it, yeah.
1: Yeah, they did get a lot of footage out of they it. They almost got and arrested after, for it. Well, they, they devoted their prodigious musical energy after that to a series of groundbreaking studio recordings. And the first word I can think of when reflecting upon this detailed and dense documentary is frenetic. There is so much information, so much footage and stills crammed into. Well, the movie itself is 138 minutes, but it's not. It's 106 minutes, and then you've got detailed concert footage that follows. So a lot of people walk out after 106 minutes if you don't want to see the concert where they played in front of 50-odd thousand people. Why Why would you leave? Well, because bits of that concert are already in the rest of that, the movie. It
0: doesn't matter. Most people... And I think I can safely say this in demographic terms: most people who go to see this will never have seen the Beatles in concert, or have actually had the chance to see the Beatles in concert. So
1: why would you leave? Most of the media attending left after 106 minutes. Shame on them! Shame on them! Shame, <laughs> you're shame, gonna, you're gonna shame! Be a shame file are you now? That's... I'm
0: going to the movie's yeah. first shame file. Everyone well, who left that early, and don't tell me you were one of them.
1: I, no, I stayed for part, I didn't stay for all of the concert, I stayed for part of it because I had a I had a function on afterwards, so that's my excuse. Not good enough. But I did see, I did see parts of it, that's fine. <laughs> so, and, and as I say, I'd already seen bits of it because it was, I mean, it was pandemonium, people running everywhere. You know, that concert footage, apparently the Beatles couldn't even hear each other, it was that loud. And they, they kind of... One of them was strumming a guitar. A second one strummed. They just, yeah, you know, they just did it by rote.
0: Now, see, I've heard that story that there are there are some tapes of some Beatles concerts that are never going to see the light of day because of that, because the recordings yeah. through the mixing desk were, uh, shall we say, subpar,
1: because they couldn't hear what was going on. Yes. Well, it it, it was, and you could see it from the footage that was there. I mean, they played to these stadia that are so jam packed. I mean, up till that point I suppose you played in venues that can seat hundreds or thousands, not tens of thousands. You know, it's it's funny, I've been to concerts, I went to a concert at the MCG when the three tenors were playing. The acoustics were Terrible. Oh,
0: big, most big stadium concerts, unless you pay for the super good seats, so you're up near the near the, the speakers. The acoustics are terrible. I went and saw the Bee Gees at uh, the Olympic Stadium in uh, in Sydney. It would have been 1998 or thereabouts, mm. uh, and yeah, again, it was terrible. The sound just bounces around in those big stadiums it, or stadia, and it. Yeah, it, unless you pay for the good seats. I made the mistake. I paid for cheap seats and I got what I, what I paid for.
1: Fair and reasonable. Look, I'm not sure even if you paid for the good seats whether the acoustics would be what they needed to be. The funny thing to me, I saw – I mentioned to you in one of these podcasts that I saw We Will Rock You, mm. the Queen, 24 songs from Queen and the Ben Elton written musical. That was at the Regent Theatre, and that's still playing, and it is absolutely phenomenal. The acoustics were as great as I've ever seen, but it was an indoor venue. So let's get back to the Beatles eight days a week, the touring years. I felt that at times it was like sensory overload. There was just so much there. Of course, in that first 106 minutes, you also have plenty of footage of their performances and the crowd reactions, and the crowd reactions are priceless. I mean, people fainting and, and I love you. It's it's just, it's very funny because it's a combination of black and white and colour footage. Mm -hmm. What strikes you is just how innocent and totally blown away by the adulation John, Paul, George and Ringo were in those early days. There was, yes, the incessant screaming and the masses and masses of people turning out the world over just to get a glimpse of them, the effusive praise. And all the while, these erudite youngsters, this tight-knit group, individually and collectively very, very funny. They are humorous people. They know how to sort of take the mickey out of each other. They were struggling, as I say, to make sense of what I can only call the madness. The demands on their time were massive. And unfortunately, but understandably, the sheer weight of expectation had an impact. So much so that they were no longer enjoying their gigs. And there was definitely a dark side to fame and fortune, which is explored. So you go from total innocence sort of too oh i don't want to do this anymore the doco unfolds sequentially but the tail end to me appeared to be too quick given the detail of the earlier years i understand it's called the touring years so they should have stopped when they were on the rooftop because that was the end well or perhaps even before that but no let's accept it's on the rooftop once the touring stopped there was that rooftop appearance and then the success of the later period well yeah, it was basically more weight needed to be given to the final albums if they were going to go on at all because to pay it lip service and initially it was all of the albums, how many weeks they were at number one and that came up on the screen, etc. And then they quickly dealt with the latter albums because they weren't the touring years. I'm not sure that that was the, the best thing to do. You either felt short-changed or you felt that it went on beyond where it should have gone. Nevertheless, Ron Howard presents a really important insight into the phenomenon that was the Beatles and I I think it's a very very strong documentary I'm presuming that there will be another one you know which follows the touring years and what, maybe well what, what, what would you show because what happened after that they 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 became virtually
0: reclusive in many ways after 66
1: well I suppose that what you do do is you show them in the studio recording albums and these albums I mean the the, the success of the latter period some of those albums were the quintessential albums of our times they were just as important as the albums they produced when they were touring so I, I don't I'm not sure that it would have a documentary of another hundred and thirty eight minutes but you could certainly get a documentary with archival footage put together and perhaps find more people who were around at the time to comment upon it and especially beatles fans they would they would see it but yeah I I just sort of because they did some stuff in the studio after the touring years, and I thought that was fascinating, so maybe too much of that would be too repetitious i 'm not sure, but i think it's worthy it 's worthy of, of trying let 's put it that way
0: It would be interesting to see because what you would get to see is is uh, <clears throat> how the most popular band in the history of pop culture uh, basically self destructs because that 's what it was and you, you look at uh, and you you talked about the rooftop performance they did in in sixty uh, nine or seventy uh, which was to promote the, the album Let It Be, 1969 it was, mm-hmm. they, you can, there, there is, of course, the movie Let It Be, the documentary Let It Be, which features the making of that album, and you see there that they virtually can't stand being in the same country as each other, let alone in the same studio, and yet they so that- still put that performance on top of the, the, the Apple Studios together, and they still put out the album Let It Be. It's incredible.
1: Yeah the thing is that you don't get to see them fighting with one another. You this documentary doesn't go into that at all. And yeah, I mean it was you, do you remember the okay, here's a trivial pursuit question. Where was the band's rooftop performance? What was the it was what was the address?
0: I don't know the address. It was the roof of Apple, rooftop of Apple. Yeah, it was roof Apple, of Apple Studio. Street. Yeah, Sa-
1: three Savile Row, as in the suit, Savile. Right? Oh, well done you. Three, three Savile Row, and they played for forty-two minutes. There you go, forty-two minutes. That was their last last set, and it was. And the the film, the Doco Let It Be, came out in nineteen seventy, mm. and the, the the date of that, the thirtieth of January nineteen sixty nine, and there was. In fact, I'm staring at an aerial view of the Beatles. That's worth actually Googling if you're interested in so doing. Let me give you a score for this rather fine documentary. The Beatles, eight days a week, the touring years. Notwithstanding my comments about the end and how it concluded, it still is very worth looking at. Seven and a half out of ten, it's definitely worth that.
0: And stay for the Beatles concert at the end. Don't squib it.
1: (laughs) It's like some of us did. (laughs) See you soon. Speak to you next time. Bye, Alex. Big about the Beatles, folks. Just if you don't know them, if you don't know their backstory, worth checking it out.
0: You've been listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Subscribe to the full podcast
1: at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor.
0: This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows.